Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Martinez. We're here at Lakeside Church, and we are just thrilled that you are here. I'm back. For those of you who don't know, I had two back surgeries, and that kind of kept me um, from being around and being as involved as I'd like to. So I was out a few weeks, but I'm back, and I'm excited to share um, just God's word with you and what I feel God is speaking. So uh, let's go to a word of prayer. Father, I pray you just help me today to speak your word clearly. May it be you and not me, and may people be edified and glorified because of what's happening. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Um, It's uh, chapter 6, verse 12, and it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Another, Another verse says that we are engaged in warfare, That word means it's like a military engagement, an expedition, a campaign. And, I mean, I'm not trying to to bring you down, but the good news is is that you are in a war, whether you like it or not. And I try to think, you know, how can we compare this to what can it be compared? Um, And it's almost like as if it's terroristic activities because it's not a stand-up, toe-to-toe battle because Jesus already won the victory on the cross. When he said, it is finished, he was not joking. He was not kidding. It is 100% finished. Jesus won the victory. But there are authorities, rulers, and cosmic powers against you right now. And they know that they've already lost, but we're kind of in the enemy's territory now until Jesus returns to earth physically, which we believe that he will. Um, we're fighting a battle. And so you got to know that you are fighting a battle whether you like it or not. In fact, that's the first point. It says, we are in a war whether you like it or not. And it's not a, it's not a war you get to choose in. There's no timeout. You don't get to call, hey, timeout, devil. Timeout, enemy. Uh, I don't want to fight you anymore. No, it is a war that doesn't stop, that doesn't quit, and that um, you have a very smart and a very experienced enemy. Like, you have to understand the, the enemy has been battling people better than us for a long time, wiser than us, more holy than us, more disciplined than us, more spiritual than us, who pray better than us, who know the scriptures better than us. He has fought many people over many centuries, and he knows what he's doing. He has battled, and he has crafted a plan, and he knows how to get to you. This is real, and this is serious. You have to remember this, that you are in a war, and he wants to keep you distracted. He wants to keep you disillusioned. He wants to keep you disappointed. He wants to give you diseases. He wants to keep you away from what God has for you, because God has a plan for you, and his number one um, job is he couldn't stop Jesus, but maybe he can stop you. Maybe he can stop us. Christ went to the cross. His blood was shed. He did what he had to do. He rose again, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus wasn't stopped, but the enemy, he knows what he's doing. And so Paul goes on to say, this is Paul writing to the people at Ephesus, and a little background, Ephesus had one of the larger temples in that 
uh, ancient world. So it was a city built around idolatry and about idol worship and, and where people would come from all over, just like maybe we go to Disneyland and we make pilgrimages to Orlando or Southern California to, to take a vacation and to celebrate. Well, in, in a similar sense, although not exactly parallel, people would go from all over the world to Ephesus to worship this false god. And Paul was writing to a group of Christians who were in a very um, a specific area where spiritual warfare was intense. But that doesn't mean it's not as intense for you today, just because we don't have these idols around. But he writes to them in verse 14, he says, "'Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth.'" And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication." And so Paul listed several different um, elements of our armor, several different things, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, um, our feet uh, secured in the gospel um, of peace, uh, uh, you know, weapons, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. He listed all these weapons. And then at the end, and then you got to see this, at the end, he says, verse 18, praying at all times. So the next two points is the armor is what you wear. You should clothe our, we should clothe ourselves in God's truth, his righteousness, his salvation, faith, the gospel, and the spirit. But then what do we do? And that's the third point. Praying is what you do. Now, I want to see, I want to see if I can help you see how these align. And I, I've not ever heard anybody do this, and so we're just going to take a look. The, the disciples, um, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. He was training them. They, they, he says, the scripture says he called them so they would be with him and that he could send them out. They were his apprentices. They were going and they were doing um, the will of, of the Father. And they saw that when Jesus prayed, it was unlike anything that they had ever seen. And so he, they asked him, they say, Lord, how should we pray? And Jesus gives them an answer. In Luke, we, we read that the disciples asked him, how should we pray? And, and we're going to read the, uh, the same prayer he gave them, and it's in Matthew chapter 6. Both Matthew and Luke thought it was important to write down. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy or worship um, be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice that everything in that prayer is communal. It's, it's always like a, it's our, it's we, us. It's, this battle cannot be fought alone. That's what one point you got to get is within this prayer, you know, put on the armor of God praying. And if you want to know how prayer is really best done, it's not the prayer you do in your devotional closet, although that is important. Prayer is best done together. It's a team sport. Everything in this prayer is, is our, your, we. And that's important. But let's see how possibly these things line up. So first of all, remember what Paul said? He said, take the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, I'm going to be honest, taking the belt of truth would not be the first thing that came to my mind when I was telling you to get ready for a battle. I wouldn't say, oh man, when people are going to show up, we need to fight. Let's grab our belts 
everybody make sure you have a belt on, it wouldn't come to me. I'd say, you know, grab a gun or grab a sword or grab a knife, grab something to attack. Never would I say, or maybe even a shield, maybe even a helmet, but belt would probably be the last thing I would say. Like maybe after we were all ready and the battle hadn't started right away and we were sitting around looking at each other, I'd be like, did everybody get your belt on? All right, buckle up. Um, but Paul thought it was important enough. The spirit of God through Paul thought it was important enough that he named it first. And I want you to see, I believe it lines up with the first part of the Lord's prayer where it says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, the belt of truth, we have to wrap ourselves. See, belts go round, they, they buckle up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that, that's the ad campaign, buckle up when you get in the car. You know, buckle up. You, you remember when you're younger and you're driving with your friends when they first got their license? All of a sudden, the, the seatbelt actually became important because you looked at the guy next to you and you're like, dear Lord, this guy didn't know how to drive. And so you grab your seatbelt and you put it on so you make sure you're secure. You go on a carnival ride, you know, and I'm not, not talking about like a good one at, an, at a legitimate park. I'm talking about like one that rolls into town. It's kind of sketchy. Guys don't have teeth and, you know, the, they, they kind of smell a little bit and they're looking at you and it's cash only and, and, and you get on it and you're wondering if they got all the bolts in the right place. You buckle up and we need to buckle up or wrap ourselves in the name of God, in the kingdom, in the truth of reality of his kingdom, and in the reality that it must be God's will that's done and not ours. The only way we win this battle is when we realize it is in the name of Jesus that we conquer, and it is for the kingdom of God that we go forth, for the demonstration and the proclamation of the kingdom, and it's the will of God that must be done. It is not our will, but his will, and if we try to do our will on the battlefield, we'll lose. Our wills must be conformed to his will. It must be our prayer. It must be what we wrap ourselves in or else every other piece of the armor doesn't work. The next thing he talks about is the breastplate of righteousness. Um, other word in the scripture, it says breastplate of righteousness and it adds a, um, some words, it says breastplate of righteousness, which is faith and love. Righteousness is faith and love. We cannot have faith and we cannot show love on our own. And what's the next thing in the Lord's prayer? It says, give us our daily bread. Help us to feed on Christ. You know, if you're not feeding on Christ, the bread of life, there is no way that you'll have faith. If you're not staying connected to him and staying in his word and connecting him with him in prayer, you won't have any energy. You won't be able to show love or have faith. It's the bread of life that we must go to daily because every day there's another reason not to have faith. Every day there's another reason not to want to love people, not to even sometimes want to love God. We, we get distracted, we get delusioned, and, and we need daily our bread. In the, in the Old Testament, this is a picture of when they were in the desert and God would feed the children of Israel as they left the desert um, and were moving towards the promised land. He would feed them with manna, which was bread that came down from heaven, and it would come down every day. And every day they had to go out and pick. It says if they, if they didn't pick up enough, enough, um, somehow God would make it enough. And if they picked up too much, somehow the extra would rot because God was teaching them to go every day out there and connect with, um, with him and feed off of him. The next thing he says is, is uh, you, the, 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 your, your feet, let's go back up and read that. It says, having 
the readiness given by the gospel of peace as the shoes for your feet. You know, shoes are super important. Like you got to have your shoes on if you're going to go to a fight. I watched a lot of shows where guys are in prison, you know, falling asleep. I'll put on one of those shows. And, and, and you know, one of the things they say is, you know, in some, some prisons, you know, they have shoes and then they have like, like slides, like sandals of some sort. And you could tell when the guys are about to fight because they all get their shoes on. Because y'all want to have a good shoe because you want to have good footing. You don't want to be slipping and sliding around. You, you, you want to be standing firm. You want to have good shoes. You know, back then they would put in, in their sandals, the Roman uh, soldiers would have little spikes to give you good footing. You don't want to be sliding. You don't want to be moved. We got to be grounded in the gospel grounded in the gospel of forgiveness, of being able to go to God and be able to say, God, forgive me. And knowing that because the gospel is true, that forgiveness is for you, that it's for you today. doesn't matter what you did yesterday. There is forgiveness for you today, or you can't live in this battle. You'll be slipping and sliding all over the place and you won't be able to stand against the attacks and the assignments of the enemy. You know, I, I, for one thing, I did a, I rode a, uh, what they call like a high risk bus where you had uh, a certain bus that had like about 60 kids on it. And it was, um, it was a city bus that used to come and take the kids home. And they would, uh, they asked teachers like, you want to make an extra 15 bucks drive, uh, ride this as a, as like a monitor. So for me, you know, Emmerich and I didn't have a lot of money. So I'm like extra 15 bucks is 15 bucks. So every day I'd ride this bus with the kids home. I'd go through their neighborhoods, which a lot of time weren't the best neighborhoods, get off in the neighborhood and wait for somebody to come pick me up. Took about half an hour, 45 minutes, and I make 15 bucks. It wasn't a bad deal. Well, one day I could tell that something was up. It was raining outside, and I mean, it was just pouring down, and all the kids in the bus, you know, they're kind of like talking and whispering. They were a little bit quieter than normal. A lot of times they get rowdy and sing, and, but this time there was like something going on. And I, I didn't know what, but I knew I was just waiting for them to get out. You know, one of those things was like, please just let us get to their stop and let them get out and go home and do what they're, whatever they're going to do. Well, as soon as the doors opened, there was one on one end of the bus and one other door on the other end of the bus. The kids, they ran out of the bus and this group of girls started fighting in a lawn, in somebody's lawn. And so now it's raining. You got a group of girls and I'm going to tell you, girls fight much harder and much crazier than guys. If you've ever been in a high school or middle school, breaking up a girl fight is much different. I mean, they just lose their mind like wild animals. I mean, guys can too, but I'm just saying a lot of times it's harder. And then they got long hair or sometimes braids in their hair and they grab onto their hair and, you know, things, hair is flying and they're punching and biting and scratching. And, and so I looked at this fight going on and I realized I was the monitor and I had to go out there and stop this fight. And it was raining and it's grass. And I had on like dress shoes with like no grip at all. And I knew that it was going to be ugly because I was going to get out there in the midst of those girls and I was going to be slipping and sliding everywhere. I did not have the shoes on to be able to stand. And so as I made my way to the door, Luckily, a uh, cop was driving by. He stopped. Him and his partner got out. They had like on tactical vests and boots and everything. They got into the yard. They broke the fight up, sent the kids on their way. But they had the right shoes for that. And they had the authority for that. And they were, they were dressed and ready for battle. I wasn't. I was in a shirt and tie, slacks, and dress shoes. But we got to be grounded 
and have our whole lives grounded and find our strength in standing on the gospel, that there is forgiveness in Jesus, that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. So we wrap ourselves in the truth of his name and of his kingdom and the fact that it has to be his will. We get our righteousness from him, clothed with righteousness from God, but, but able to live a righteous life as we feed on him the bread of life. We have our feet, um, we lace up. Like we are laced up and we are ready to go and we're standing on the gospel, which we know offers forgiveness. And in the Lord's prayer, it says, forgive us for our sins as we forgive others. The next thing it talks about the shield of faith, which, which um, I think that lines up with says, lead us not into temptation. Temptation can get any of us. We can be tempted to be bitter, angry, lustful, like temptation comes and we have to have our shield of faith up to where we can keep those temptations from leading us off. You know, God, God wants us to live holy lives. Like if you're not living a holy life, like, like there's mercy and there's grace, gospel of forgiveness. We, we start there. But once you know you're forgiven, well, you know what? Let's, let's put our faith up and say, God, keep me from temptation. Keep me from people that are going to lead me down the wrong way. Keep me from seeing things on TV that are going to lead my mind down the wrong way. Keep me from things on the internet that are going to lead my heart the wrong way. You put up the shield of faith and you ask God to lead you away from temptation and, and you ask to be guarded and protected from all the temptations that come. Because, you know, there's going to be temptations this morning. There's going to be temptations tonight. There's going to be temptations tomorrow. And if you don't have your faith up, if you haven't risen your faith up and said, God, protect me, lead me away from all the garbage, lead me into a holy life away from temptation, it's going to be really hard, really hard, if not impossible to overcome any of that. And so we, we go through and so we're bound up in the truth of God's word. We take the belt of truth and we bind ourselves up. We, we buckle up and get ready for the ride. We feed on the bread of life, which allows us to, to be righteous. And we're clothed with the righteousness of God. Righteousness does not come from us. And that guards our internal organs with the breastplate of righteousness. We have our, our shoes um, grounded in the gospel of peace, which we know offers forgiveness because when he died on the cross, he died for not just some of our sins, but all of our sins. We take the shield of faith, which stops all the fiery darts of the, the wicked person, all the temptations that can come, all the things that can knock us off course. You know, that um, to me, if I was in a war, like I would much rather be an archer than a foot soldier because it seems like it might be a little safer. Um, but, but the enemy's just raining down darts on us, raining down things on us. And we need to raise our faith up so we can be able to compete with that. The next thing he talks about is the helmet of salvation. See, we need salvation to guard our minds. Our minds must be renewed according to the mind of Christ. We need salvation to come and, um, and cleanse our minds because a lot of our biggest battles are right there. And we need the salvation that God offers in the cross through the gospel um, to come and to change the way we think. You know, we can be our own worst enemy. We can hamstring ourselves. We, we can put ourselves down. We can take ourselves out of the battle just by the way we're thinking. And it's not all about thinking, but thinking plays a huge part in it because your mind starts going the wrong direction and then your faith wanes. And then when your faith wanes, your shield drops and you get hit with a dart. And if you get with a, hit with enough darts, you wind up going into sin and then you don't feel like God will forgive you and you wind up in, um, being condemned. And that means that your feet are not grounded and you start to slip. And when you 
you start to slip, then you can't eat because you fall down and you can't eat the food that God has given you. You don't feel like you have any righteousness left and you, and you haven't lived a righteous life and, and you feel guilty and you don't even feel like God has closed you with his own righteousness. It all starts to fall apart just because the mind has gone. Where our mind goes, um, that's where our life goes. Um, and, you know, in sports, a lot of times they say, watch somebody's head. You know, you, you, you can control somebody, they say, you know, by controlling their head. And I played lineman um, in, in, in football in school. And, and, you know, sometimes you could tap the guy's head and just by moving the guy's head, you know, I mean, it wasn't legal. But I'd do it. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't you know, necessarily a Christian. I kind of wanted to win. But you could tap their head or push their head in a direction. And no matter how big the guy was, if you're pushing the head one way, the body a lot of times will follow. And the enemy wants to get a dart in there and wants to attack your mind. And he wants to get in there and he wants you to self-destruct. He wants you to spiral out of control until you self-destruct and you wind up defeating God's plan for your life. Because the truth of the matter is, is when Christ died on the cross, he said it was finished. The enemy cannot win. But he will win if he can take control of your mind and get you to defeat yourself. The next thing he talks about is the, uh, the sword of the spirit and being able to have connection with the spirit of God. And so you've got the, the belt of truth, clothing yourself up in the truth that Jesus is the name above all names, and it's all about his kingdom coming and his will being done. Breastplate of righteousness, which reminds us we should feed on the bread of life and Christ's righteousness, which he gives to us. Our feet are grounded in the gospel of forgiveness. We know that the gospel is true and that we have forgiveness in the cross. Shield of faith, which keeps all the fiery darts and all the temptation away from us. Helmet of salvation, which guards our mind and keeps us from going into dark places or even just distracted places. If the enemy can't take you into a dark place, he's going to take you into a distracted place. He's going to distract you. And for many of us, that's where we're at. He's not leading us down to being some kind of crazy serial killer or, or extreme drug user, but he's distracted us with games and entertainment and, and things to keep us so busy that we are off of what God has for us. See, the enemy's always playing the long game, and I want you to hear this. He's always playing the long game. If he can lead you to tempt with temptation in your mind to covet somebody else's stuff and then give you a temptation to get something that maybe you can't afford, and then now all of a sudden you have bought something you can't afford because your mind started with covetousness, and then he led you with a dart of temptation, and now you have something you can't afford, well, now you know what? You're working too much. And you know what? You're working too much, so you can't be involved in the things that God wants you involved in. And, and you're not eating of the bread of life because you're not, you know, maybe you're not going to church like you should, or you're not reading the scriptures like you should, or you're not praying like you should. And all of a sudden, he's keep, keep, through distraction, through something that's not necessarily even a sin, he's taking you out. He's got the long game. He may, he may be working on sins and temptations that, that they won't bear fruit, working on them today that they won't bear fruit for another two, three years. But he's having you sow because whatever we sow, that's what we're going to reap. And if he can get you to sow to destruction, we'll reap destruction. The last thing he talks about is the sword of the spirit. And that's really like the only offensive weapon. It's, a, it's defensive and it's offensive. But with that, we, we, we take down strongholds. When we recognize the enemy is coming against our family, um, we take the sword of the spirit and begin praying against those things. And what does the Bible says? Deliver us from evil. That's what it says. It says, deliver us from evil for the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Deliver our minds from, from, uh, from going to evil places, but also 
deliver us just from the attacks of the enemy. And through prayer, we can really be proactive and say, God, protect my children. Protect my children. Keep the enemy away from my children. Keep the enemy away from my house. Keep the enemy away from my body. And if we recognize his work there, we can begin to pray and we can begin to intercede and we can begin to see God break through and bring all kinds of healing and all kinds of deliverance in those areas. And so I've come here today and I just feel encouraged that we are in a war, whether you like it or not. And you better have your armor on. Armor is what you wear and prayer is what you do. And you better be prepared because the enemy is playing a long game. So is God. God wants the best for you and the enemy wants the worst for you. God wants to bless you. The enemy wants to take you down and bust you up. God, want, God wants to do great things. He wants to lift you up and, and put you in places that you don't deserve and give you blessings. Like I, I just believe that that's the heart of the gospel. We get something we don't deserve because of what Christ did. And God has good things for you. But there's a war, and there's rulers and principalities, and, and um, just parts of this world are, are darkness. Spiritual, Ephesians 6 tells us, spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And I want you to know the war is, is, is done in the Spirit, and it can only be won in the Spirit. And really, one of the only ways we can connect to the Spirit is through prayer. So I hope you're taking your prayer life more seriously than you've ever taken it before. I hope you're praying for yourself and for your family and for your loved ones. I hope you're praying for the people in your small group. I hope you're in a small group and you pray for those people outside of small group. I hope you pray for your church, pray for your, the leaders in the church, but also just pray for the people in the pews. And if you sit down and think about the people in the pews, and God will bring some people up and just pray for them. Pray blessings on them. Pray the spiritual breakthrough in their lives. Pray the enemy would be defeated. Raise your faith up. You know, the beauty of about the shield is that not only did it cover yourself, but you'd go out in a group. Remember, everything in the Lord's Prayer is our, we. But you go out in a group and you raise your faith and your shield would not only protect you, but it protect your buddy. And so my prayer is and my hope is, is that, um, you know, as we've kicked the hornet's nest a little bit today, that you'd um, go out and you'd win victory um, in what God has for you. So let me close with a prayer. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and how good you are. And I just pray your will would be done, your kingdom would come, that we'd have eat of your, our daily bread and our substance, where we would find it in you. God, that you would forgive us for our sins as we forgive others, Father. God, help us to be people of forgiveness, that you lead us away from temptation. Don't lead us into temptation and deliver us from evil. And I pray that prayer would be true, God. Not just a prayer we say with vain repetition, but a prayer that we understand and we pray from our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>